everybody, and welcome to Natter, the Zillennial Podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Parent, and I am joined today by my good friend of many, 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 many years, because we're that old, because we're only like in our early 20s. Anyway, her name is Elena Moxness. I'm very excited to have her on. Hello, Elena. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for coming on. What um, what are we talking about today? Do you want to tell everybody a little bit about yourself before we get into it? Sure, yeah. So today um, I chose the topic of music and compassion. Um, the reason being is because music has always had such a huge part of my life and uh, for you too. I know that we relate on that level. Um, and then also <laughs> just, I think as I've gotten older, like I, I, like you said before, we're really not that old, but <laughs> as I've kind of jumped into my 20s a little bit more, um, one of the things that I've noticed the most is how important compassion is. So that's why I wanted to talk about that. And then also how I've found um, compassion to really be found in music too. So anyway, so I, I think that uh, we could have a pretty interesting conversation about that. Um, Absolutely. A little bit about me. Um, so I am a business student. I'm studying commerce. I'm entering my last term in marketing. Um, so I'm super excited to be done. Um, and then I really don't know what I want to do with my life. So <laughs> I feel like everybody else. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was going to say, I feel like that's a pretty common uh, new grad kind of feeling. But uh, yeah, that's, that's about me. Um, yeah. Awesome. Thanks. That's a great topic because uh yeah like you said we're both musicians so we could probably talk forever and ever and ever about it uh let's start at the easy place the beginning um yeah. how did how did music come into your life when did it first grab you and become like something that you wanted to keep with you so um I started playing the piano at age three and uh, I played competitively and I did exams and everything until I was about 19 or so. Then I kind of stopped doing exams. I got busy with other things. Um, but other than that, I've always just loved listening to music and different artists and that kind of thing. Um, my parents introduced me to a wide variety and we're talking wide. Um, <laughs> young age too. Um, I remember my dad took us to a Black Sabbath concert and my mom took us to like Elton John and Rock like on. we've got a ton of variety going on there. So um, that's really been where music started was starting with playing the piano and then a ton of other instruments kind of between that point and then listening to music like crazy. It's uh, that's I think the term is audiophile isn't that a thing? <laughs> yeah that is totally a thing. That is yeah. the thing. <laughs> I think that's pretty much where we're at at this point. So uh, I love showing people music that I like and kind of vibing on that level too. It's uh, super special when you're able to just sit and enjoy music with someone and they can kind of get that same, I don't know, feeling that you do. So it's it's super cool to me. So that's that's really where music started for me. Yeah, because sharing music is such a personal thing. Like you feel like you're sharing a part of your soul when you're like, listen to this album, it's amazing. And if somebody doesn't like it, you're like, I, at least I am, I'm like so wounded if somebody doesn't like my music. I'm like, what are you talking about? This is me. I know. I actually, I had a conversation with a friend of mine not too long ago and him and I were talking and we both, we were sitting there and listening to music together. And, um, we both said, I'm so sad for the people that don't have this feeling that I do when I listen to music, which is not compassionate, but it's <laughs> where it came down to where it was like, I wish that everyone could sit here and feel this the way that we yeah. do. So it's, it's super interesting, but it's, that's a big passion for sure. So if I were to ask you how your music tastes changed through the years, I'm sure we'd get a very <laughs> long answer. Um, so who's important to you now? Hmm. Okay. Now it's, uh, you know, I have gotten really into Brockhampton lately. Okay. Um, so Brockhampton is super cool because it's a collective. I'm really into the collectives, um, mm -hmm. but it's a collective of a bunch of different, um, like, rappers, singers, kind of just wide variety. They call themselves a boy band, so they, <laughs> they don't like being called a rapper. Um, but it's super interesting because they all just bring something so unique to the table. Mm -hmm. And I think they're, like, 13 or 14 or 15 or something like that of what? Uh, I did yeah, not know so, that. 
oh yeah, I know they're super cool. They're all from Texas. Um, and uh, they actually met on a Kanye West forum and they were relating about how much they love Kanye and I could talk about Kanye forever too. Um, but, uh, so that's, that was really cool. And so I've gotten into some of their solo stuff too, in addition mm. to their collective stuff. Um, they have five, five, one, two, three, four, five, six studio albums that uh, I really like to listen to. And um, so I will talk about them with people like crazy. Um, and then also, aside from Rockhampton, uh, Dreamville is another collective I'm super into right now. Uh, so that's J. Cole. And then there's like a ton of other people. So like, uh, there's like Cause, Ari Lennox. Um, I'm trying to even think. Uh, I'm kind of blanking on that right now. There's like Loop from one. Um, yeah, I'd have to look at everyone, but there's just a ton of them. Oh, Earth Gang, mm -hmm. Gang too. Uh, and so then uh, there's just they're also a collective. And so mm -hmm. I love the idea that so many people can come and collaborate together and just vibe, and it's just so cool. So that really comes to like I don't know my appreciation of music too. It just is super cool having that collective, um, and then listening to all their solo stuff too. It just gives you a good appreciation for that. Um, yeah. Odd future another one too if you um if you've heard of like like frank ocean and like tyler mm -hmm. the creator and like earl sweatshirt and those guys um so yeah collectives um the other thing that i've been super super into lately is lo-fi so oh, yeah. Uh, yeah so good oh man so i could just vibe with lo-fi forever um so a lot of people listen to it when they're studying but i really just like to play it and like sit and drink a glass of wine or just whatever and it's just so it is such a mood it guys is. if you don't listen to lo-fi music you have to go do it it is such a mood seriously there's a ton of really good playlists on spotify if you go yeah. on like just oh, oh so good <laughs> <laughs> but that's what i'm vibing with right now that's awesome. I love how you throw out so many names. Like when people ask me my my favorite band, I'm like, uh, I don't know. I have like 17 and I can't remember any of them, but you were on the ball with that. You will have to give us a whole bunch of recommended listening because For I can't sure. lie. Yeah. I haven't listened to most of those people, though I have heard the names or groups, I guess. Mm -hmm. So yeah. <laughs> yeah no, it's super um, cool. I think the other thing too, that uh, a lot of those people are really, really interesting because there's a lot of like hidden meanings in their songs and stuff. Like it's mm -hmm. not just like, I don't know, like it can, if you want to just listen to it and just enjoy it and whatever, it's cool. But if you dive deeper into it, there's like historical references, there's like cultural kind of assessments, um, there's societal criticism. It's so interesting. And like, it's, I don't know, that's like a really cool thing where it's like music relates to every aspect of life. And so then I love that kind of deep, part of the music too. Yeah, totally. Do you think that the fact that you are a musician as well makes you listen to those things differently? Because those are genres I'm not generally listening to. So I'm not too sure how, because you know, people listen in different ways. They're looking for different things. Do you think that changes how you listen versus other non-musicians would listen to them? I think so. Um, because for me too, I recognize like patterns and samples and that kind of thing. Um, sorry, the dog's a problem for right now. <laughs> oh, good. Okay, cool. It's like, oh. <laughs> I can still hear you. Yeah, it's the work from home life situation. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's interesting. But uh, yeah, so um, honestly, I noticed like samples and, um, and things that they use from other people a lot more and the influence of a lot of other musicians. Um, I noticed that a lot more and I, I kind of attribute that to my, my musical uh, background because I did a lot when I was studying piano and studying music, I, I studied a lot of like how Beethoven influenced the, the um, musicians moving forward and, mm -hmm. and basically how each genre is like a spinoff. Um, and so I think that that's something that I've taken from um, from my musical background to my listening. Um, so it's really interesting to hear kind of the influence of people like Kendrick Lamar and Jay-Z and Kanye in the newer music that I'm listening to right now. Um, yeah. So, cause like a lot of that stuff wouldn't have been created had they not been audiophiles of those artists, right? So yeah, totally. It's super interesting. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Those are, yeah. You have to give the recommended listening. Cause I, I need to start, I need to start listening to more kinds of music. Cause I'm stuck in my rock cave. Um, <laughs> Hey, that was a pun. Cool. Um, but I love it. yeah, I need, I, I'd like to learn like 
to listen to this, those same things you are. But um, let's go into the, the, the whole compassion part of it. Yeah. Too. So when you were a kid listening to music, mm-hmm. were you just listening whatever? Or did you still have those really strong emotions attached to it? I always had really strong emotions attached to it. Um, So especially as a kid, when I was like, anytime I'd be struggling or doing anything, I would always blast music like an aggressive, angsty teenager at age like 12, (laughs) 13 in my bedroom. Um, And it was always like a lot of rap and a lot of like rock and metal and that kind of thing. I thought I was way cooler than I was. (laughs) But uh, it's, I just would listen to albums in full and dive deep into artists. I remember I would have like phases of being like obsessed with certain artists and I wanted to learn about their like biographies and I wanted to read about what kind of got them to creating that music. Because if you listen to stuff, you're like, how did they, I don't know, like how did that happen? How, what got them to the point where they were able to express that emotion and communicate that with me so that I could feel this too. Mm -hmm. So that was always really interesting to me, even as like a 12, 13 year old. So I would like read books about like Eminem and the Dixie Chicks, which is like a weird contrast, but, um, (laughs) um, and there's a band called Family Force Five, actually, um, Mm -hmm. Christian metal band very interesting um I liked them because they didn't swear and I was like 12 and I was into that yeah. <laughs> um and uh so that was I don't know it's really interesting to see kind of how they got to that point and what events happened in their life to to kind of put that on paper and then eventually just get that into my ears so I think that's kind of how that started to kind of connect with that compassion piece is um, compassion and empathy, which are two different things. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, Because if I got to the point where I could feel what they were feeling, that was so powerful to me. And I just had a lot of interest in figuring out how that happened. Yeah, right. It's amazing how sounds can do that to people. Because I know when I was a kid, I was, I mean, I'm a very emotional person still but as a kid I was extremely emotional I was a sensitive little baby so when I heard a song that I liked or that made me want to cry or something I was always amazed like how does that actually happen so I totally see what you're getting from where like even if it's a Christian metal band where you don't necessarily um you don't necessarily relate to what they're singing about or maybe you do but it's amazing to get the same feelings, even if the message isn't exactly what you need. The feeling mm-hmm. might be what you need, which is a super weird way that the that music as a medium works mm-hmm. with listeners. Exactly. Yeah, I and that's the thing too is I am super interested in hearing what people are listening to at the time because to me that like gives a really good insight about what their life is like at the time. It does. Super cool, right? Because if someone's super into like kind of poppy, more like kind of like summer fun, you know? Yeah. Oh, they're vibing. They're living. They might be having a hot girl summer. You don't know. (laughs) Great. And that's just kind of where they're at. But like they could be listening to something like more slow and chill and that kind of thing. And that just could be because they're going through kind of like a mellow phase, right? Mm -hmm. It's just really interesting to me kind of what people are listening to at the time and like why, right? Yeah. Is that what attracted you to playing music in the first place? Was that feeling of actually getting to get something out into the world? Um, a little bit. For me, I hated performing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was kind of a, a weird thing for a pianist. But um, I really, I got super, super anxious before performing. And I'd like fully shake, like my hands would be like oh. vibrant. um I had one really really solid performance that I can like remember of like my years and years of playing piano I had one that I can say that it was like really good but um, and I don't remember it like I fully was outside of my body at the time it was so interesting I tell the story like I fully (laughs) it was in um it was at the University of Saskatchewan in Convent Mm -hmm. Hall on this beautiful like 11 foot piano And uh, I just remember looking at myself doing it. Like, I don't remember, like, actually doing it. Like, I was, like, in the top corner of the room and just, like, watching myself. That's what I remember, which is... That's so crazy. Super crazy. Because, like, I had practiced 
so hard for this because it was like provincials and I was playing um, a Chopin prelude. There, there were like really fast parts, really emotive parts. There were parts that like, it was just, I don't know. Like I, I remember practicing for this for hours for months like it was like I would go I was practicing at this church for a while actually they gave me a key and everything which was so nice but uh so I had like free reign to go practice on this grand piano whenever I wanted to um but I would go and like practice for like five hours at a time and just like sit and just do the same measures over and over and over again. But um, but having that experience where I like saw myself doing it, it was so out of body and I just like let it happen. My piano teacher cried. Mm-hmm. Um, I literally was like, oh, it was such a good experience for me to be able to have that. Because now when I see musicians just giving their all on the stage and like, especially when it's like something emotive or something that like they're fully expressing themselves, I feel like I can relate at a little bit of a different level because I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. I know exactly what they're feeling right now. And it's so powerful to the fact that like they're getting this out to someone else. So I think being able to see that and just say like, wow, this is like, their soul really like they're this is like something so much more powerful than like a couple of words or a couple of like framed messages right so yeah it's I I think you hit the nail on the head with that it's amazing how you can just let everything out with the performance and being able to see that in somebody else and know that you're witnessing them being that vulnerable or them being that open with you is an incredibly powerful thing and something that more people I wish could experience. I know that I I have never seen myself from the corner of a room like you had. So apparently you had some like (laughs) amazing spiritual thing happening there. Crazy shit right there. (laughs) I'm so happy that you got to experience that, but man, I've never come close to that. However, at a school, because I did obviously music school, I had to perform and stuff. There were a few uh, times that, um, because we have classes where we're put into a certain band and we just have to perform with that band and learn how to work with different people do different songs and stuff like that and there were a couple times when the band chose songs that like I just got and we would do three songs and by the end of the third song I'd be like I don't remember performing that at all I hope I sang I hope (laughs) I I I hope I said the right words I have no idea and I think like what you said that's when things go right because suddenly you're not thinking you're just feeling and your body knows what it needs to do because you're prepared for it and the emotion just comes out mm-hmm. yeah when you have to think too hard about it like anytime I've gone to a festival or like an exam or whatever and I'm not prepared enough and I have to think really hard about it it doesn't happen the way that it is supposed to right like or, yeah. or the way that like your heart wants it to right like mm-hmm. it's it's too thought out, right? Like if you're sitting there and you're like, okay, I can do this. Remember it's finger five, right? Like, like, yeah, it's too like systematic, right? You just kind of have to let it happen. And that only comes if you've like fully practiced it for eternity. Yeah, totally. (laughs) My piano teacher actually would have me practicing in the dark so like a oh. black room. Um, so any musicians out there, this is a pro tip for you. Um, <laughs> practice it in the dark, like a pitch black room to the point where you can't see what you're doing. Because if you can do it without seeing what you're doing, then you'll actually be able to listen. So that's the thing. Even when I listen to music, sometimes I'll do that. I'll go into like a really, really dark space or somewhere that you can just focus on one thing, right? Because mm-hmm. you have your five senses and like they distract each other. Let's be real. <laughs> I'm <laughs> distracted so like if I see something I'm like oh cool and so like I could be in the middle of playing something and I could like see something out of the corner of my eye and be like oh yeah cool and then come back to like playing something but that's really you're not listening then right and that's the same you can kind of relate that to compassion too right like if you are really not listening you can't feel the same way and you can't emote the same way right mm-hmm. I think that's kind of where that relates to right uh, that's amazing to me because you got up to such a high level of piano you got up to grade 10 right yeah I did so that's amazing Elena thank you holy shit <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah like every time it was so funny like I'd be practicing in this church and there'd be like random people popping in and I'd like see in the kitchen or whatever and I'm like hey <laughs> 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 I'm like kind of half-assing it <laughs> 
That's so funny. But I yeah. bet it was great practice. So you know what the what the big timers are going through when they have great practice and the really crappy stuff when all the roadies are watching them and they're like, don't look at me, this doesn't count. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's the thing too, is that a lot of people that don't play an instrument at a higher level or have never really had to practice a lot, they uh they say like, oh, you can practice around here or whatever. We just like won't, we won't bother you or whatever. And it's like, no, no, like your presence is bothering me. Not in like a way that I don't like you, but like, I just, I have to be completely alone, completely like distraction free. So. Mm -hmm. I totally get that. Before that, okay, the night before this big performance that I talked about with like the out of body experience, um, I was practicing at this church (laughs) On Friday nights, because this performance was on a Saturday, I didn't know this, but on Friday nights they have a um, like a drumming class. Um, oh. It's like a spiritual drumming thing. And so for a solid hour of this practice, I would just hear drums, like full on, like <laughs> drumming. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, well, this is not the most solid practice I've ever had in my life and so it was kind of like psyching me out a little bit but mm-hmm. it didn't good because I had practiced for like months before so but it's super funny <laughs> it's like trying I have a video of me like trying to like focus <laughs> like oh I love that so. that is something that would only happen in a church as well oh for sure exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're great community centers but they're not always great like even because um I also did piano exams and I remember I'd walk into these strange churches I'd never been to before, sit down at the piano, be ready to go, okay, the feel of the piano is good. And then you realize every time you lean to hit this note, the bench squeaks. Or every time you hit this chord, the whole church just reverberates and you can't hear the next note you're playing. It's like you never know what's going to happen in a church. Let alone a drum, a drum thing. <laughs> Why not? Snare drum one time. I was like, I can't find it. Because <laughs> uh, the snare was going off and I was like, what? <laughs> it ended up being in this closet, like across the <laughs> so uh, But yeah, like there's that kind of focus level, right? It's kind of crazy. But yeah, that's so funny. Yeah. That is so, so funny. Yeah, in um in school when we're practicing, we have what we call wangers, which is super funny to everybody. It's the company who makes these isolation boots for you to practice in. It's the wanger company, but we just call them wangers because it's hilarious yeah. and sounds kind of perverted. So, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> first years always have a great time with it, yeah. but we have these things and what people would do, they have a glass door that way you can see in. So like if somebody passes out, you can see them and tend to them but because of these glass doors you can see when people are walking past which normally isn't too big a deal when it's just your classmates or something they know you're practicing they leave you alone but when they're doing tours of the school and you have a whole bunch of people from small children with their families to these super super old people bringing in their grandchildren and they're all coming in during this tour staring at you because you feel like a zoo animal behind the glass you're not getting any practicing in and the worst thing about no. that is that practice time is time you're not getting back it's yeah pretty much unusable because if you keep doing things at that point you're just going to reinforce bad habits so you mm-hmm. need to just stop and wait for them all to leave and it's just the practice is just so important oh exactly yeah it's kind of crazy like well and like having played the piano for so long and kind of at that level it was the practice that you do it has to be so intentional like you can't mm-hmm. just go in and be like all right I'm gonna practice like you have to pick what you're gonna do um focus so so hard right and the amount of like slow work that you have to do because my teacher always said if you can't play it slow you can't play it fast yeah I would have a metronome going for hours I don't know how I didn't get like massive headaches but like <laughs> you're like <laughs> going for hours at the slowest speed and that's the only way that you can really learn it and the only way that you can really play it so it's kind of crazy the best musicians are definitely the ones who can tell you what an exact second is because they practice at 60 bpm yeah yeah and they can tell you anyone who's not musical that's beats per minute that's how metronome works gives you a beat but in certain time increments and 60 beats per minute, obviously 60 seconds. Drummers usually are fantastic at that. And if you're not, they're not, then you should probably get a new drummer. Um, <laughs> Give them a metronome for their birthday or something. <laughs> yeah, they should be able to do 60 and 120. Yeah. At least from what I've seen. I'm not a drummer. Don't at me on that. But... <laughs> 
I think I could probably do 120 because that's what we had to have our scales at. So yeah. we had like four, four octave scales and they had to be at 120. Um, I practiced them. I think I got one of them up to like 190 or something like that. Holy like, cow. Yeah, you're like, I can't do that anymore. But <laughs> I remember I would like practice that for hours to see how fast I could get them because my teacher... I'm so competitive, but my point was like, so I got all of my scales up to 205 when I took my grade 10. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I did not do that. But <laughs> yeah, I'm just looking at my hands now, like my fingers aren't long enough to do it that fast. Yeah, yeah, I was really blessed with really long fingers, actually. Um, <laughs> But since I haven't been playing the piano as much as I used to, and uh, I'm not taking lessons anymore, I have grown my fingernails out a lot. I've hmm. always do that, and uh, so <laughs> something musicians understand is that you actually have to sacrifice the beauty of your nails. <laughs> yeah, I I still keep my nails so short because I never know if I'm going to have to do something. Or I'm learning guitar now, and I'm like, if I need to play a chord and it's a big stretch for me because I'm not used to it, if I have nails that are too long, it's just going to get in the way. It's going to be that one extra obstacle. So I just chop them off as soon as they get too long. It's like, nope, nope, so they're gone. During quarantine, I was uh, I was convinced that I was going to learn how to play the guitar because I have a guitar. Okay, mm -hmm. I went to a Brett Kissel concert one time. I don't really listen to country music a lot, but I did. I went to a Brett Kissel concert, and uh, he gave me his guitar and he like signed it and everything. Um, he like brought me on stage. Super fun, super cool. But uh, anyway, so since then, I was I've been like trying to learn the guitar and I used to play the ukulele so I mm -hmm. have kind of a basic understanding anyway so through quarantine I was like I'm gonna play the guitar <laughs> but the thing was is my nails were so long so I was like I'm either gonna have to cut my nails or I'm gonna learn to play the guitar I was like, <laughs> huh so I did not cut my nails and I have not learned to play the guitar <laughs> sometimes sacrifices have to be made and sometimes they just they just don't yeah, no, I was not ready to give them up. Honestly, after years and years and years of having to cut my nails and make them like not as pretty as I want them to be, it was like, you know what? I'll learn the guitar later. You deserve some time off. I mean, also because you did so much piano, like, yeah, give, give the brain a break. But are you, yeah. now that you've done, now that you're in school and doing all that and you haven't been playing piano as much, do you miss it a lot? Or is it kind of like you needed the break? I needed the break for sure. Um, however, I do miss having that kind of that thing that I used to fall back on where there's that like emotional release mm -hmm. um, because I, I didn't really realize like how much of kind of a therapy session it was for me to like go and practice for hours and hours. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so I do miss it that way. Um, but I don't really currently have a desire to like go and learn like other sonatas and that kind of thing. And I just don't, I don't miss it in the same way that I thought I would. But I do mm -hmm. think that once I'm not as busy with school and work and that kind of thing, I will pick it up again later. Um, but it's just something that I, I know that I need some time off from. Yeah. The other thing, like I said, I don't really like performing and I don't really like playing in front of people. So I'm still living at home. And so it's very hard to like find time where I'm just by myself with the piano. So yeah. I don't, I don't want to play in front of people right now. So it's, I think that's kind of where I'm okay with not having that as a huge place in my life anymore. But, and teaching for as long as I did too, I'm just kind of over it right now. <laughs> right. So. Yeah. I think that's pretty understandable. Um, Cause I, I did all of my piano up until end of high school and then I went to music school and I had to take one piano class um, to do like jazz stuff, which I had never done before. So I had, wasn't able to like opt out of that class. Mm -hmm. um, so I did that and it was nice to play again, but I'm only just now that it's been a couple months since I finished school that I'm like, you know what, it would be nice to go and do this for me. Cause I was very much the same when I was practicing piano, we had our family piano. And so I'd have to practice with people listening in. But as soon as my parents got me an electric piano that we put in the basement, I didn't want anybody to hear my practicing because that was for me. It was my time to focus on my goals and not have anybody say anything. And if I practiced on the big piano, I would inevitably get comments at the end, which mm -hmm. I know came out of love and came out of like, oh, you're sounding so good. But it was also just a, 
a reminder that my time wasn't really my own. Everybody was hearing the progress. They weren't hearing the things that I chose to play mm-hmm. for them, which kind of bothered me, which is, I, I feel like is kind of what you were saying there. Mm-hmm. So I'm not a super, um, I don't, I'm not a very visibly emotive person. Um, like I get excited about that. Like I, I don't know, like I'm very baseline in terms of the emotional. Um, and so then for me, a lot of the pieces that I was playing and a lot of the things that I was doing in terms of the level of piano that I was at and the pieces that I chose to play were very emotional. And so practicing in front of people was just very hard for me. And I didn't really enjoy doing that because especially when I wasn't ready for it, when I wasn't thinking that it was done, yeah. I, uh, I didn't like comments at the end where even if it was like that positive like you were saying like I just didn't think that people got it yet so that's also why I didn't love having people listen to it but well it's kind of like why artists don't let people in their studio until you know their their work has been on on display in their gallery or they've had the the great collection show for fashion designers and stuff like you don't want to see things or show things until the the full intent is there Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's a big thing for a lot of artists, regardless of the medium that you're using or, or whatever you're creating, or even people like, even in business too, like, a lot of people don't want to show things until they're ready, ready. Um, There are a lot of different theories about um, not doing that. Um, Mm -hmm. Because especially, um, I don't know if you've heard of the skateboard metaphor, but uh, I'm not. This is used in uh, software development. So um, basically, there's it starts. There's a five step process. So it starts with a skateboard, and then it goes to a scooter, and then it goes to a bicycle, and then a motorcycle, and then a car. Um, so what they do is they release something, and they call it the MVP. So that's the um, minimum viable product, and so they'll release that, and that's the skateboard level. So it's just something that they can release. People are good with it. And then from that point, then they'll keep making those improvements and then eventually get to that car level. Um, The reason that's really great, especially in terms of software development and in in a lot of other business cases too, um, is because then you can get feedback through it and make sure that it's working for people and it's doing what it was intended to do. Um, There are also a lot of ideas that, um, especially at the managerial level, people suggest that it's really important to just kind of give those, like start to just produce something um, enough for um, it to work or enough for it to have uh, the kind of feedback um, that you need, um, Mm -hmm. because that way you can just always continuously make improvements to it. In terms of um, being a musician and uh, in terms of being someone, oops, sorry, um, someone who, uh, who doesn't quite agree with that just because I have been at that level where I just keep building that up and I want to show off that final product, it's very hard for me to be like, okay, here, you can look at this even though it's at like 40% or here, you can look at this and it's at 60%, right? So I don't know, for me, as someone who is kind of a perfectionist and someone who um, was trained to not really get to that or show off until I'm at that 100%, mm-hmm. it's kind of, a, it's not intuitive for me to just be like, okay, here you go. And I think a lot of artists feel the same way. I, yeah, I, I think it's, it, it's kind of the difference between, um, well, it's difficult because artists, of course, are trying to sell their work or show it off in whatever capacity. But it's different than a brand showing a sneak peek of a pair of um, new runners they're about to sell or something. Mm-hmm. You know, like there, there's more um, personal attachment, I feel, to the work. Not in all cases, but in a lot of cases. And that could definitely be the difference there. Although there are things like giving a sneak peek of a music video or just releasing the intro of your new single or something like that to kind of get the hype up. But even Mm -hmm. then it's the full unfinished product like you were just talking about. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So it's just interesting, especially kind of like having my life in two different arenas, right? Where there's that kind of music part that I really appreciate and love. Um, And then also that business part where I I kind of see both of those perspectives. Um, So it's hard to combine, but like it's uh, it's kind of interesting to to see those differences too. Yeah, has um has all of your schooling and all the things you've learned through that changed 
the way that you approach any music or music listening? Um, that's a really great question. Um, it hasn't really changed the way that I approach music listening, um, except for the fact that I do find music listening more of a, an escape now than I mm-hmm. used to. Um, so it's something that I can do to stop focusing on all of like the, the things that I need to do and accomplish and that kind of thing. Um, and it's also a place where I can connect with people on a deeper kind of human level. Um, whereas in my schooling and in business and in my jobs and that kind of thing, it's more so um, focusing on the, the what do we need to accomplish mm-hmm. and, and more of those sort conversations so I think where when it comes to music now I appreciate it more in terms of knowing that it's a human thing rather than just like a we got to check all these boxes off let's go yeah I like that it is a very human thing good word Mm -hmm. good word human (laughs) Um, we forget about that sometimes (laughs) yeah I, I think we do we just go out and do our own thing without forgetting without remembering that the work that we're doing is very integral to who we are especially mm-hmm. as we're talking about art forms mm-hmm. it uh it is really a representation of where you're coming from in a human point of view a societal point of view which I think exactly. bridges well to the whole compassion thing when did that come into your radar and did music help with that or push it along more so I think um I've always been someone who really likes to to see different people's perspectives and I really like to understand why people do things and I really like to understand kind of the way that people process information um, and understand how it's different than the way that I do and it's just interesting to me to see where people are coming from and I've always had that interest in in people and so I like to ask questions and I like to understand situations kind of on that level um, because I didn't always feel that people understood that from me um, mm-hmm. kind of in a selfish way that's kind of why I got into um, learning a little bit more about compassion and really trying to exercise that in my life um, I didn't really realize that that's what I was doing until um, probably about March or so, um, because I had someone tell me that I was extremely compassionate. And I never really thought of myself that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then when someone kind of brought it to my attention, then they were like, no, like nobody else does that. And so I don't think that that's true. I think a lot of people are very compassionate, but I think that this person needs to surround themselves with them. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I think that uh, it was really interesting to me because I, I thought that people did that just automatically but yeah um, but I think that it took me a long time to get to that point where that just did happen automatically um so that's kind of where my compassion started is really wanting to understand um why people did things and then basically the um the underlying emotions that are different from what people present because people are very good at framing their lives and showing people what they want. And there's that highlight reel idea and that kind of thing. And people do that on a day-to-day basis. Right. So I like to kind of see past that and kind of unveil what's actually underneath. And I think that it takes a lot of compassion to do that. Um, When it comes to music, um, we touched on this a little bit before. It's really interesting to see and hear what kind of music people are listening to, because I think it gives a really good insight into their soul and what what they are actually experiencing. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of people are like that, where they if they show you a song that they really, really love, especially if it's something that's a little bit more emotional or, or or maybe even not, um, you can kind of get an, an idea about what's actually inside and what they're actually feeling and what uh, and why they might relate with that. So I think that that's a, a really cool way of looking at it. Um, so I've always been really interested in, in that perspective um, because I think that it tells you a lot about a person. And I think it makes a lot of sense that you see it that way because as a musician who, who who's an audiophile as well, because like not everybody is and there's nothing wrong with that but it's very helpful to be a musician and someone who likes to listen Mm -hmm. being a compassionate person is listening it is listening to what people are saying it's listening to what they're not saying or paying attention to like you said to what they are listening to Mm -hmm. to 
put a bigger picture together. So if you told me um, a song that you're listening to a lot right now, what do you think that song says about you? Mm. Yeah, I think um, because I have been kind of, especially through quarantine and all this, um, I have been a little bit more on the lost side. So a lot of the music that I have been listening to, I think specifically of, um, there's an artist called Matt Champion, and he's he's part of Rockhampton, actually. He's amazing, okay? His stuff, like, oh, it's so good. I can just talk about it forever, and I get so, like, excited about it. Um, but he has a song called Fangs, and it he, it has a lot of different levels to it. And I think that I relate a lot to it right now because there are so many different pieces to that song that it expresses kind of the different layers of people and humanity and that kind of thing to me. Um, and then I also think that it just relate, it just kind of touches me in a certain way. Um, so if you are listening to this podcast, go check out Fangs by Matt Champion. And I hope that you have the same kind of love for it that I do. <laughs> so I think that's kind of where I'm at right now. And the other thing is my kind of passion for lo-fi right now. Mm-hmm really also helps with that too um, because it it does calm me down a lot too um, and so it doesn't it doesn't make me feel like I have to rush through the things that I need to do or it doesn't make me feel like I have to have a lot of pressure on me and so mm-hmm. I think that's a really good thing right now um, so I think that that's kind of where that what that's communicating I guess that's um, so interesting yeah um, and then I also I, I also love listening to that music with other people because a lot of people haven't gotten into lo-fi like that yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I have had a couple of experiences where I will sit with a couple people and I'll put this playlist on that I've made up of just all these lo-fi songs and we'll just sit there and listen and nobody will even say anything through the song, which is insane. Okay. If you can get someone to not say anything through like a three or three minute song or whatever, man you've won um <laughs> yeah I agree I always show people songs and then they're like they, they want to comment on stuff and it's like oh I like this riff it's like that's great but just like you know just sh- shut up and listen to the whole thing and then we can talk about it exactly so I've had some pretty powerful experiences that way where or even we'll be in mid-conversation and the song will do something and we'll stop yeah which is crazy right like that has some crazy power over people so I think that lo-fi is really cool that way because it's so different from what people just generally listen to. And it's not something that will ever hit the radio. Yeah. It, so. It's something very, I think it's very interesting because I don't want to say some kind of music is pretentious, but it has um, kind of some pretensions in it. Classical mm. music, for example, you yeah. I generally have to be a master in order to have an album made and be listened to. Mm-hmm. And that's just something that's part of the genre and that's totally fine. But something like lo-fi, it doesn't have to be, I mean, straight up, it's not polished. It can no. have jazz chords with a trap beat. It can be very highly produced, but not have impeccable audio quality. Yeah. Which is all these strange grabbings from different genres. So it's this very unpretentious art forms that has something that everybody could be interested in. And I don't think there has been something like that. Yeah, exactly. They'll actually take like lines from movies too. So like yeah. um they took there's one song, I can't even place what song it was, um, but they took Robin Williams' speech from uh that movie that he was in with Matt Damon. Um Goodwill Hunting. Yeah, Goodwill Hunting. So they took his speech about how in love he was with his wife mm-hmm. and they just put it in this song. And it was so good because you just listen to it in such a different way, right? And then you're so focused on what he was saying. Um, they also took this one part from Kung Fu Panda in another <laughs> one. <laughs> it was so interesting, but I loved it too because like they're just these nuggets of like kind of wisdom or or just kind of humanity really where that comes back to that uh that different art form movies have and they just combine it and it's so cool it's a very interesting place in time that we are right now for art because we have the means to blend all of these things like that mm-hmm. it, 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 and it makes us feel stuff that's the thing it's not just this big schmozzle of stuff it is actually art that makes people 
feel things and it tells you about people and it tells you about the world. It's like, what's happening? Exactly. Well, and back to the jazz riff thing that you were talking about too, there's this one uh, lo-fi song, it's called Raw Quartet, and it's by Cook and Soul, okay? Um, like, <laughs> and Flow Fits, something like that? I don't remember. Um, but link it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, they have like, they put jazz in there, and it's something that like, I don't know, you think that would be like in some really cool restaurant, like old style that they would just have like the band playing in the back. But then it's mm -hmm. also like a combination of something new that you wouldn't have heard before. So yeah. it's super cool to just be able to hear that combination of the old and the new and like the wisdom and the humanity and that kind of thing. Um, yeah. because, I don't know. And people make it in their basements. Like, <laughs> Well, that's the amazing thing about it. There's so much thought that goes into choosing every sample or mm -hmm. every little idea that they write themselves for these songs but it's done so naturally and freely that it's just it's amazing exactly um if you are interested in learning more about like sampling and and that kind of thing and and kind of artists intentions and that kind of thing um there's one podcast i really like it's called dissect and uh so this guy goes through full albums okay like as in like each song has its own like 40 minute episode. Um, and he talks about all the different samples that are used and the historical references and kind of those other, other pieces that the artist, the intentions that they had. Mm -hmm. An insane amount of research to be able to put this podcast together. Um, but dissect is what it's called. So they, there's one season about Kendrick Lamar um, to pimp a butterfly. Great album. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's a Frank Ocean one um, about uh, so that he kind of goes over Novocaine and um, Orange uh, Channel Orange, and then he also goes into Blonde, which is also Frank Ocean is amazing too. Yeah. Um, and his most recent season is about Beyonce's Lemonade, um, and he even talks about like the the video album part of it too. Yeah, so cool. But yeah, it's uh, I don't know it you can listen to an album or you can actually like hear the album and you can actually like understand the album and experience it fully. Exactly. So I think that that really comes into a big difference and really that relates a lot to compassion, right? Like mm -hmm. you, can, you can listen to someone, but you don't really hear them and you don't really understand them and you don't relate to them. Right. And I yeah. think that's where it, to really understand and have that power to be able to like feel that, it's, mm -hmm. it's so different. And yeah, I want to add that that's why I wanted to format this podcast the way it is. There's no background music because I don't want to distract from what people are saying. Mm -hmm. And also, like, as much as, yeah, I'm the host, whatever, that's not really important. It's about what the guests have to say because people, what, people all have these amazing talents or skills or this vast amount of knowledge in their head that doesn't get listened to mm -hmm. we talk to each other about all of these small talk things which is great and it's fine and it's great to ask people how their parents are doing and stuff but there's that human element of like at your core like we were saying like the music you listen to is important to you it's at like the core of who you are and what you're going through right now the things that people choose to talk about when they're given the chance also says so much about them and mm -hmm. we need to have more listening ability people need to have that platform to say things mm -hmm. so this is why like I wanted to have a podcast like this and mm -hmm. it really makes me happy to know something dissect exists to really <laughs> let people talk about the music that we all agree is great but why mm -hmm. is it great why are we agreeing on this and let somebody dive into all of these things we're picking up on without being interrupted by a radio commercial or something Exactly. Well, yeah, and it's super interesting. And kind of going to your small talk point, right? Like, how many hours do we spend a day small talking? No, oh, I right? hate it. I hate oh, it. My gosh. Both of my jobs, I small talk a lot. Like, I've gotten really good at it, though. Yeah. <laughs> but, but really, though, like, you're not expressing anything, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you talk about the weather, like everybody can relate to that makes sense, right? We all love it when it's hot out. We all can complain when it's really cold. Like it's, it's, it's good, right? We can all yeah. talk about it. Um, quarantine. If I have to talk about that one more time, like I, 
<laughs> it's we all can agree on that, right? And that's where that small talk comes along is some it's things that we can all agree on and it's things that we can all talk about without actually have to having to like dive deep or dig into anything, right? Like you don't have to ask any questions about the fact that they thought it was nice that it was finally warm outside, right? Like yeah. yeah. There's no emotion behind that. Well, it's kind of a given that somebody's happy it's sunny. It's a given that I hope your mother as well. It's a given that I hope you pass school. You know, like those things don't necessarily need to be said. It's nice to say them. It's nice for the other person to hear it. Mm -hmm. But when it's the only thing you're saying to someone, it can come across as very insincere because the other person has something else to say. Exactly. Yeah. And so I think that's what uh, music really does to you is it helps to connect people more. Um, and I think surrounding yourself with people that can talk about music with you. And that's what I've been able to do to you is um, being able to talk about those different albums and the different songs that are so powerful to you and talk about why, because you get so many different perspectives to you, right? Mm-hmm. Um like if a song emotes some sort of darkness, then you're able to talk about that, right? And you're able to say like why it might do that or why you might feel that way. Mm-hmm. Or that a lot of people will listen to a song and be taken back to a memory, right? And so then yeah. you can learn a little bit more about that person's life when they talk to you about that memory, right? Um, so it's really cool to be able to hear about that, right? Because then you hear about what's important to that person and what really shaped them into the person they are today too, right? And so I think being able to have music as an outlet and as a connection point, I think it's really cool. I agree. It's also very telling about what... Um the music people don't listen to is very telling of them and their state of mind as well. Like if somebody only listens to happy songs, they're avoiding negative emotions in some way. And like, I'm not a therapist. I'm not a psychologist, but like, come on people. That's a fact. If you're avoiding sad songs, there's obviously something going on and you can figure that out. It's amazing what the people surround themselves by Mm -hmm. with very specific things for very specific reasons, even if they don't necessarily acknowledge it. Yeah, I went through a point, actually, I was about 15 or so that I didn't want to think about dating. I had like a lot of anxiety about it. And I didn't want to think about dating, regardless about if it was like happy love, sad love, heartbreak, anything like that. You know how hard it was to find music? Oh, ridiculously. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. And so I was like going through my music library. And I was like, do I have nothing? Um, I obviously have a lot more now, but it's, uh, it, it led you to a lot of like weird places. Right. And so you might avoid those things. Like you were saying, right? Like I was avoiding relationship songs for like a couple months and anything that like talked about falling in love or talked about that kind of thing. Um, and then I've also gone through periods of time where I, I don't really want to listen to something that's really hard or aggressive. Right. Cause mm-hmm. then I don't know, just there's sometimes where I'm just like, not okay with that. And sometimes where that's the only thing that I want, where I'm just like, yeah, I got to just scream along. <laughs> yeah, It's super interesting kind of how those moods change. So that's why a lot of people, um, especially if you're going on like first dates or talking to someone for the first time or whatever, and they're like, Oh, what kind of listen music do you listen to or whatever? I'm like, it's hard. Hardest question you've ever you could ever ask me like, if you look at my music library, it jumps around so hard. Like it's nowhere like centralized. It's really hilarious. If you ask people in like all of my peers from music school, you ask any of us what our favorite kind of music is. We just kind of stare at you blankly. Like, okay, we we kind of like size each other up. Like, what are you into? Because I guarantee you, I listen to some kind of music related to that, that will actually strike a chord with you. Cause I'm not going to mention this other thing that's super obscure and weird and won't mean anything to you. It's funny cause we're all like sizing each other up to try to make that connection. Yeah. But at the same time still actually say that we're listening to something that we are listening to. Exactly. And it's hard to go through that back catalog really quickly Exactly. because we're, we're forced to listen to the stuff so much, but we also really like it. So we're like, it's a mini glitch in our brains when we're trying to figure out the right thing to say. Exactly. You short circuit a little bit. You're like, oh no. Uh, and I think one of the cool things about that too, is that the music that you're listening to right now, uh, may be super different than what you were listening to like a month ago or whatever. Yeah. And the cool part is, is when you rediscover music. Yeah. Oh, I love that feeling. Like there's this one Kendrick Lamar album. It's called Untitled Unmastered wild album okay you put out seven songs that are all called untitled so it's untitled one or it's eight eight songs uh untitled one untitled two untitled three genius and like 
And they have the date that he recorded them on, too. So super interesting. Um, and when he first put it out, I, everybody was so confused. Like, as in, like, we were like, was this an accident? Like, I don't, <laughs> what? But I have rediscovered that album every so often here and there. And I'm like, this was huge. Okay. Like, this was so underappreciated. Like, man, it's so good. Right. And you just listen to it and you're like, okay, cool. And so every, every couple months I'll be like, oh, I haven't listened to this album for a while. And then I'll listen to it for like a week and I'm like, oh, okay, cool. And then I'll put it away for a bit, you know, like, and I think that that's important to do with music too. Yeah. I love when music has replay value because there are definitely times when you're like, oh yeah, I was young and I liked this, whatever type of music, but there's nothing to say that that type of music won't become important to you again in the future for maybe a completely different reason because it's still good music. Well, and interesting with that, too, is like, it's interesting to kind of think about what music that's being made now will last, right? Yeah. Because we still listen to, like, I still listen to classical music. So I was, I still listen to, like, Beethoven. I still listen to, like, um, like a bunch of different other, like Debussy. I love Debussy, mm-hmm. too. It's like, early 1900s. Um, and, like, man, it's so interesting to hear about that Elvis Really love Elvis. I have a couple phases here and there. Dolly yeah. Parton. Love Dolly Parton. She is amazing. I got into her in first year because we had to sing a country song and I'd never listened to country in my life. And I'm like, I guess I'll listen to some Dolly Parton. Yeah. Didn't ever choose one of her songs to sing, but holy cow, is she amazing. I know. I read her autobiography and her life was so amazing too. So yeah super cool and then I'll have phases too where I'm like okay I'm super into like Motley Crue if you haven't watched their little like movie documentary thing on Netflix so good it's called I heard it was awful really I liked it okay (laughs) I I haven't seen it I have no opinion I I did make a friend watch it she was like why the hell did you make me watch that (laughs) I just like it but it was fine (laughs) um (laughs) Um, and then, uh, yeah, and all the phases like that, and like the Dixie Chicks, who also they just changed their name last week or two weeks ago to just the Chicks. So yeah, just, I heard about that. Yeah, um, so that's interesting. Um, and then uh, yeah, like I'll have little phases like that, but it's interesting to think about like what from 2020 will make it 50 years from now that someone who's 20 will just pick this up and be like, oh, I'm gonna have a phase, you know? Like yeah. what is that that music that's a really interesting question I know movie wise there were some really amazing 2019 movies that for sure will be looked back on like very favorably but I don't know what what uh what albums I would pick because it it really it's much more personal I think than movies are yeah exactly so it's it's really interesting to think about that it's like I don't know, because I even hear music from, like, 2010 sometimes, and I'm, like, like I was, like, 12 years old, right? <laughs> I was yeah. like, dang, this slapped back then, but, like, now it's, like, like, is it just that I appreciate it now because I enjoyed it then, or, like... What, you mean, like, sexy and I know it? Oh, yeah, what a good one. <laughs> I still, that's still everybody's jam, let's face it, you turn right? it on, everyone's still gonna start dancing. Oh, yeah, and, like, <laughs> low, like, with the apple bottom jeans, boots with yep. the... <laughs> You know, like, you, I don't know what's going to be be it in, like, 10, 20, 30, 40 years from now. So, I don't know. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's a super cool question. Yeah. That's, so, uh, we're going to ask the listeners, guys, which albums, which songs are going to be important in yeah. 20 years? Yeah. Please. I have me, no idea. Let me know what, uh, what you guys think. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, super interesting. And I... I try not to be judgmental, but then I end up being judgmental. Uh, well, everyone still has their tastes and the things they like and they don't like. So like, it's totally fair. Yeah. Like if you, if I told you to play the best album that was ever made and you put something on by like Justin Bieber, I'd be very confused about what you have listened to in your life. <laughs> I would be very confused too, because... No offense to anyone who likes Justin Bieber, but I personally would have to be having a stroke in order to play that as the best album ever. Exactly. And like, <laughs> I play the best album ever because I will not be able to do it. Just, you'd have to give me like, no, I don't even know if I could ever do it. But I'd be, 
me, I'll give you a top 20 list yeah. and maybe that I'd even push to the top 25. Exactly. Because like, I, yeah, I would not be able to easily do that. Um, yeah. Man. And I think that goes back to what we were talking about before. It depends what mood you're in, what place in your mm-hmm. life you're in, what you have experienced, what you listened to right before, what after, because that also kind of, it's like eating. The, yeah. the thing you have is an appetizer. you got to clean that off before you have the main course because you're going to taste it differently. Exactly. It's like that with music too. You, you've got to, there's so many things that go into choosing the best. Exactly. Yeah, kind like of I impossible. For this, and I listened to Run the Jewels' new album, which is oh, good. It's so yeah. good, isn't it? So good, yeah. But if <laughs> if tonight I was like sipping on a glass of red wine and working on like digital art stuff, I would not put that on. <laughs> no, I would put that on if I'm like, I need to get pumped up to oh, yeah, go out are- and paint the town red. Yeah, those are hype jams, okay? Yeah. yeah. I also listen to uh, Revenge of the Dreamers 3, which is a Dreamville album. So super okay. good, too. Um, but uh, it's their one-year anniversary for that, I think. So, um, but Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> so it's super interesting. Um, actually, an artist that a lot of people haven't heard of um, that I love, super emotive. If I'm ever in a place where, like I said before, like I'm going to go do some digital art, drink some wine, sit on the patio at 11 p.m. until, If like, you say Lana Del Rey, I'm going to be really disappointed because everyone knows her, Lana. No. <laughs> I heard Lana Del Rey when I was in the eighth grade, and I remember showing Lana Del Rey to all of my friends, and they told me that she was creepy. And then three years later, they were all like, oh, my God, did you hear Lana Del Rey's new album? I'm like, yes, because... <laughs> yes, because anyway, I showed it to have- you, please. Yeah, I was upset about it. Anyway, <laughs> but no, Keaton Henson, okay? Keaton Henson is amazing. So he has um, a lot of albums that, or he has one that's completely without lyrics. And then nice. albums that are just so emotive and special. And I, oh man, when I get into a Keaton Henson phase, you know that I'm just in my feels. Like it's just, it's so much. But uh, that I have produced the best like writing that I've ever done. The best, um, in my opinion, the best digital art that I've ever produced. The best, um, really anything that I've ever done, the writing that I've done, I said that first, but um, any sort of art or, or emotion that I've ever done has always been me playing Keaton Henson in the background on just like repeat. So there are, it's powerful stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So. I totally agree. So I went through all last summer listening to the Mamma Mia 2 soundtrack over mm-hmm. and over and yeah. over and over again, can you say I wanted to escape to a tiny island in Greece? Probably. Probably. So I listened to that, and it was what I needed. <laughs> exactly. I actually, I had a phase last year, last, or it was two Septembers or two Octobers ago. I listened to the Les Miserables soundtrack on repeat for the whole month. Nothing else except Les You sad lady. <laughs> Imagine how depressed I was that October. Like, oh my gosh. Oh my God. Were you like walking to school listening to On My Own every morning? Oh yeah. Oh, I am so sorry I wasn't there for you. Empty chairs and empty tables. Man, Eddie Redmayne killed that, okay? I actually watched a video today about the music in Les Mis, what went horribly wrong and what went extremely right. And Eddie Redmayne was one of the extremely right things. And I totally agree. I'm obsessed with him. He actually, super interesting, he's colorblind. And he wrote a full thesis on uh, a shade of blue. Um, And he like, it was for, I think he did his master's or something in art. And like, he wrote a full thesis about it and he's colorblind. Wow. Talented man on many fronts. Right? I know, I'm obsessed with him. So yeah, no, it's, he's so amazing. So he, when you're able to connect with someone like Eddie Redmayne, who has a lot of like depth in terms of the fact that he's an actor, he's has, he's intelligent and he's educated and he's just amazing in every way. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but you're able to connect with him on a musical level too. Yeah. That's super amazing, right? Like it's so powerful. 
And the great thing about his performance too is that you take away the visuals and you can still feel and hear the emotion in his voice. Yeah. Oh yeah. Which I think a lot of people don't give musicians credit for because you can Mm -hmm. listen to a piano song, a piano ballad, and it is so sad, yet it's still just a bunch of ivory keys being plunked down. Mm -hmm. There's a lot less you can do with the piano than you can do with the human voice. Exactly. Yeah, there's still so much emotion that you can put into it and everyone can still play it differently. And those the, the those indescribable qualities of different instruments that you can hear, see, and perceive are just astounding. Oh yeah. Well, and I think a really cool thing too, I what comes to mind right away too, right? Like right now for me, is Nirvana. Okay. Ooh, yes. You don't think of Nirvana as this emotional band, right? But Kurt Cobain put everything out there. Like, oh my gosh, you hear, I hear the emotion in Kurt Cobain's voice in so many of his songs. Like, I just, and that could be because he was on a lot of heroin, but like, (laughs) I just, I feel like it's so powerful and that's why people still listen to it. And people don't love, people don't like music that doesn't have a feeling in it. No matter yeah. how rock it is, no matter how rap it is, no matter how jazz it is, it has to have a feeling. Something bland and emotionless is what they play in an elevator and they don't play Nirvana in an elevator. No. There's there's feeling there. Exactly. I mean, like I would stay in that elevator for a while. if <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God, me too. Can you just imagine you get onto an elevator and heart-shaped boxes playing and you're oh. like, how about some deeper cuts and they just play all of in utero? That'd be cool. Exactly. I mean, like Lake of Fire. Oh my gosh, so good, right? (laughs) But yeah, like there are some really amazing ones. And you think about that, right? And like, I don't know, it's so amazing to be able to hear the, the emotion and kind of the things that are going on in their life. All right, everybody, that was part one of my interview with Elena Moxis talking about music and compassion. Peace.